0: We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: We're going to pick back up in Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to open up your Bibles there, Ephesians chapter 1, as we continue in this study of the book of Ephesians as we talk about waking our faith up and living it the way we need to be living it, living that direction in our life that God has called us to. We've spent a couple of weeks talking through this first section. We're not going to spend this much time in all of the sections, but uh, verses 3 through uh, about verse 14, which is where we'll get through today, really talk about the Godhead in, in very specific ways. And even though uh, God is one, God is three, sometimes that's hard for us to grasp and comprehend, but we see in this particular passage that each part of God has a very specific purpose, has a very specific role. God is God; the Father is the one who blesses us in the heavenly realm, uh, and He chose us to be part of this family. Uh, God the Son redeems us. He He forgives us. He gives us that opportunity to be forgiven, and we're going to see the day the Holy Spirit plays a very important role in this in this uh, process as well. The Holy Spirit is an interesting conversation to have in church, isn't it? How many of you? Um, how many of you, when you start to hear people talk about the Holy Spirit, you you maybe get a little bit uncomfortable, you get a little worried. What are they going to say? What are they going to talk about? How many of you would say you're more comfortable talking about God and Jesus than you are talking about the Holy Spirit? How about that question? How many of you feel like you know more about God and Jesus than you know about the Holy Spirit? I think most Christians would say yes, absolutely. And I think the reason for that is because we like to put things in places that we understand, right? We like to put things in boxes, if you will. And I feel like I can put God the Father in a box and understand Him, right? I think I can understand Him. I, there's a lot written about how He deals with the people of Israel. We see Him through Scripture, we, we a lot in, in a very fatherly way. We understand. Um, how he will uh, punish. We understand justice from God. We understand blessings. We understand that Jesus died on the cross and we take that concept and idea and we feel like it fits in my box and I can make sense of that. But when you start to talk about the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden our box has holes in it and we can't fit him in it and we can't really make sense of it. But the truth is the Holy Spirit has been there from the very beginning. From the very beginning of creation, the very beginning of of our known time, the Holy Spirit was there. And he's important, and he's vital. We read about him. If you open up your Bibles and just read through the Old Testament, a lot of people want to say the Holy Spirit is a New Testament part of God. But if you read through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is everywhere in the story of the Old Testament. He's not necessarily the focal point that we talk about a lot, but he is there and he is active and he is a part of God. But the question becomes, what do we do with the Holy Spirit? Or maybe better yet, what does the Holy Spirit do with us? What does he do for us? Uh, how, how does he interact with us? How is he part of our life? Jesus himself said, I'm leaving so that the Holy Spirit can come. He, he goes on, he says, it's going to be better off for you, for the Holy Spirit to be here, than for me to be here. And I think that all of us, if we had, if we had the option If we had the option and we got to choose, I believe the majority of us would say, I would rather be face-to-face with Jesus. I would rather have Jesus standing right here beside me, teaching me and showing me the way to go instead of the Holy Spirit, because we function that way, right? We function in relationship in a very personal, face-to-face way, and His disciples were struggling with that as well. That's how they function. But he says, you're going to be better off for me to leave and for the Holy Spirit to come. And so even Jesus said, we're better off with the Holy Spirit in our life right now than with him with us all the time. Because really and truly, if the Holy Spirit is in us, then guess who is with us all the time? God. But it's just something we haven't talked a whole lot about. It's something that there's a lot of confusion about. And one of the things that I want you to know about the Holy Spirit as we start this conversation and look at what Scripture says about him, especially in the context of the book of Ephesians, is that the Holy Spirit from beginning to end, he always had one role. Well, not always. Let me back that up. And say when you find him in the New Testament in particular, he has one very important role, and that is to shine a light on Jesus And I think that's an important thing to see. The Holy Spirit is not this wild part of God. He's not going to make you do wild things. He's simply going to help you live a life that shines a light on Jesus. And that's what we see from him in the New Testament. And that's what he does in your life is helps you shine your light on Jesus. Well, how does he do that? Well, I believe this passage will help us understand that a little more effectively today. If you've got your Bibles, let's read in your Bibles. If not, you're welcome to follow along on the screen. We'll start in verse 13 of chapter one of the book of Ephesians. He says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the, of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. couple of verses. Very short. Nothing no, no big words, right? No big, no big words. That if I handed you this to read uh, for a scripture reading, you would be really upset. No big names, you know. But what what is he telling us here? What can we learn about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life? Well, let's let's look at the first couple of uh, words here that we're going to look at. So he starts at verse thirteen, and you also were included in Christ. This is really a carryover from verse twelve, uh, talking about being in Jesus. He said you were included in Christ when you what heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So let's talk about two phrases here. Heard the message of truth and when you believed. So he's taking them back. He's taking them back in their journey. And I believe we can do this as well this morning. I want you to do this as well with me this morning. But he's taking them back to the moment where they heard the gospel of Jesus the gospel of truth, the gospel of God, the the, the, the the truth of salvation, when they heard all of that for the first time, when they heard that for the first time. Now, for some of us, let's just, some of you are like me, and this is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. This is a good thing. Some of you are born and bred church, right? You've been in church your whole life. And if I were to say I want you to sit down and tell me the story of the first time you heard the gospel. You probably can't remember the first time you heard the gospel because you've heard it every Sunday your whole life. And amen to that, right? What a blessing that is to your life. So and so so if you're like me, you don't necessarily have this moment where you hear this message and you're like, oh my goodness, I've never heard this before. I've got to be about this. It's just always been bred in you. It's always been part of you. You've been raised in it, and and you kind of uh, it, it kind of marinated in your soul till you got to a certain point that you realize that, hey, there's a response to this. I'm at this age that now I need to make this commitment. It wasn't like a, a Acts 2 Day of Pentecost thing where this guy's getting up and he's preaching this gospel sermon and it just hits you, you know? And you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so convicted. No, for some of us, it's just been our life. But it's, for, um, it's important for us that are in that phase, in that direction, in that group, I guess maybe the better way to say it, to realize that there was a time in our life where we were not saved, and that the message of truth, the gospel of truth, was vital to hearing and being a part of our salvation. It may not have been a sudden moment, but it was planted in us, and it grew, and it it just became who we were, so that's some of us. Others of you maybe fall more into that category of you were not really in church your whole life and you were, you were invited somewhere along the way. You were invited to be, to be a part to visit and, and something, maybe a moment, maybe a sermon, maybe a preacher you think back to. And I mean, they just struck your heart with the words of God. And you remember feeling that conviction of man, I've got to change. I've, I've got to be right here. I've, I've got to do something different. I've got to move in a different direction. I've got I've got to do what God has called me to do. I've got to get in this relationship with him. You've had this moment. And so what he's doing is he's reminding the Ephesians, and really and truly these Ephesians, in the grand scheme of things, they've not been Christians for very long, have they? Christianity has not been a part of the world for very long. You're not talking to a bunch of lifelong Christians. I think that you are in some places, you're talking to lifelong followers of God, right? As in some of the Jews that became Christians, they were the closest thing to like us, lifelong Christians. But even they had to have a moment where they let go of the old and they grabbed on to the new. And he's like, remember this time. Remember the importance, remember the feeling, remember the conviction that you had in that moment and remember what it led you to. It led you to the next phrase. You heard it and then you what? You believed it. That word, oh man, that word triggers the words of Jesus to me. That word triggers the word of Jesus to me. Jesus says, if you believe, belief This is the part of faith that we've been talking about. Faith and belief really go hand in hand because my belief influences my faith and my faith pushes me into what? Action, correct? My faith pushes me into action. And Jesus says that if you believe, then what's the action that follows that? If you believe and are baptized, the very end of the book of Mark, If you believe and you are baptized, you will be saved. And so we have in this idea, we see the process of salvation kind of laid out for us. You hear the truth, and then you believe the truth. And then belief leads to action and baptism. You can connect those verses together. And then you continue connecting things together. Acts 2 verse 38 says that when you repent and are baptized, you are saved, and you will receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. And what does he do in that moment of salvation? What does the Holy Spirit provide? What is the purpose of the gift? He says right here, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You were marked in him with a seal. Our baptism is about salvation. Yes. It is about being forgiven. Yes. Yes. But part of the conversation that we forget too often is the role that the Holy Spirit plays in it. And that Holy Spirit does something for us in that moment. When we receive him, the first thing he does is he marks us. He seals us. And the idea there is like a brand, It's like a brand. If you fast forward to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation talks about a couple of marks. The most famous mark that gets all the attention is the mark of the what? The mark of the beast, right? It gets all the attention. But the most important mark in the book of Revelation is the seal of God and the the, the children of God who have God's seal. What is that seal according to this passage? The what? The Holy Spirit. Those who have been baptized and have received the Holy Spirit have the mark of God on them. And when God looks at them in the spiritual way, he looks at them and says, they are mine they belong to me. They're saved. They're part of the family. And when you fast forward and read the book of Revelation, it's such a beautiful picture because what it shows is that when we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, when we're marked by the Holy Spirit, when we are part of God's family, when this life ends, we receive a great reward. And that great reward is God and his presence. It's with him for eternity. It's safety. It's comfort. It's all the things that we look for and run after in this world. He says, you've got it. I've got it waiting for you. But who receives it? Only those who have the mark or the seal of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important to ask. I think it's important to say. I think it's important to to, 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 to point out that the only way we get that is through baptism. The only way we get that is through baptism. And I think we leave that out in that discussion so many times. We look at our baptism sometimes as, as, as just about salvation. And it is about salvation, but equally, it has no power without the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit that enters us and seals us and gives us that mark of God that he looks at us and says, you, you belong to me. And I want that in my life. I want God to look at me and say, you belong to me. And I want that assurance in my life. So that's the first thing he talks about in verse 13. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he marks us, he seals us so that God looks at us and goes, he is mine. He is my child. He's not of the world. He belongs to me. Then the next thing he goes on, he says, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory? Um, how many of you have ever received an inheritance from anybody? How many of you have ever received an inheritance? Just just a handful of you. What usually has to happen for someone to for you to receive an inheritance? Normally that happens when someone passes away, right? My dad, he may be watching today and if he is, I hope he hears me loud and clear. Um, my dad is just a few months away from retirement, has worked his whole life for this moment. He's been working with financial advisors and, and, and getting things ready. Somewhere between February of next year and June, he's going to retire. He's He's, he's getting ready to hang it up, all right? So a life of working, and, and, he, and he's getting ready to retire. He called me the other day and told me, he's like, I just want you to know that I'm all my life insurance stuff, all my retirement stuff, all my beneficiaries, basically, he goes, if something happens to me or when I die, not if, when I die, I'm leaving everything to the grandkids. I hope he doesn't have to go to the nursing home. We're going to find a cheap one. I'm like, what about me? He goes, you'll be fine. You've got a good job. Blair's got a good job. Your brother's got a good job. I'm leaving it all to the grandkids. Well, there's like 30 of them, so they're not going to get much, you know. The Holy Spirit does something so amazing. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, there is an inheritance waiting for you after your death. And the Holy Spirit is here to make sure, to guarantee that you get it. It's not going to bypass you. It's not going to go to the next people in line. It's not going to skip you. You're not going to miss out. Um, You know, I've been reading and watching and listening to to some financial guys and people call in and they're so funny because some people are like, Um, I'm not leaving money for anybody. I'm spending it all. It's mine. I'm enjoying it. And that's such a funny, it's funny when they call in and talk about that kind of stuff because, you know, some people are just waiting on that one. I have a great uncle that has waited on everybody to die in his life so that he will get an inheritance and he's never gotten one. Never. He's waited all of his life to get one and he's never gotten one. But here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit says, I'm guaranteeing you're getting what God has promised. We're all looking forward to God's promise, aren't we? We all want that. We all live our life every day in hopes that we get that. Well, let me tell you what. Because of the Holy Spirit, it's not in hopes that we get it. It is assured. It is assured. And I love that. And he says, I'm your deposit. As a matter of fact, what he's saying is, I'm already giving you part of your inheritance. The thing that we look forward to the most because like I said, of who we are, is that face-to-face interaction with God. How many of you have said, when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to do is ask God this. You ever said that? I think we've all said that. Well, I, I want to know when I get there, I'm finding Moses and I'm going to ask him this. Or I'll tell you what, I've got a question for Noah. You know, and I, we're like, hey, you know, we're going to go. T- Some of us are all going to line up and circle around Eve and go, what are you thinking, right? We, we, ha- we have this desire for that personal interaction. When I get to heaven, I can't wait to see so and so. You know? But what that deposit is, is God saying, I'm going ahead. And I'm giving you a personal connection to me. I'm giving you a personal relationship with me. And it's better than face-to-face. I'm just going to live in you. I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do it from within your innermost being in a way, in a place that no one else can. I'm going to go ahead and give that to you when you become my child. That's the deposit. But then that deposit guarantees that the rest of it's coming. I'm going to have that face to face with God. I'm going to be able to see those loved ones that I've missed for so long. I'm going to be able to ask Eve, don't you? I mean, really, y'all, for all of eternity, Eve's going to be like, Will y'all leave me alone? Yes, I ate the fruit. Let's get over it, you know? He says, You're going to be there because I'm part of you. And he says, I'm going to stay with you, and I love the last phrase here, until the redemption of those who are God's possession, those who belong to God. He said, I'm going to stay with you as long as I have to. I'm going to stay with you until God comes back. I'm yours. And you can be comforted by that. And you can be encouraged by that. And and since he uses the idea of deposit, you can take that to the bank. You know, the Holy Spirit shouldn't be something that we shy away from. He shouldn't be. The Holy Spirit shouldn't be something that we're scared of. The Holy Spirit should be something that we open up our heart and we say, God, fill me up with your spirit. Paul says one of the dangers is putting out the Spirit's fire. He talks about this at the end of 1 Thessalonians. He says that some people have the tendency of just putting a wet blanket on the Holy Spirit and just dampening everything that He does in your life. And I don't want that in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to be seen through me every day so that He can help me shine a light on Jesus because I know that what He's given me in my life is an assurance is a deposit, is a guarantee that there's something better after this. And I want to live in that every single day. And I hope you do as well. This brings the first section of this passage to a close. I believe it's only fitting that we read it in its entirety. I don't have it on the screen, but grab your Bible. and Let's start in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under earth. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hopes in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather around your table to remember your son's death his burial, and his resurrection, that redemptive moment in our life, in our history, in our world, God, that gives all of us hope. Help us to live in that hope, that assurance every day, God, that we have a home with you. We thank you for your spirit that lives and dwells within us, that gives us a guarantee of that, God. Help us to to take that guarantee and to just live in it in its fullness every single day. Help us to understand the power of that, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
0: Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Well, Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Lift us to the joy divine. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus which and Twitter. The morning stars began. For the love Be is sure to join us again. Arms. And until then, Brother, remember to love like Jesus. Man to man, ever seen.